following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. I'm Tim. Uh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm not one of the staff here. I'm a papermaker. Um, when Reuben talked to me a few weeks about, ago about, uh, you know, we were talking about some church stuff over coffee, and he said to me, have you ever um, preached or ever spoken in church? And I said, uh, yes. And he said, oh, would you ever consider doing it again? And I said, uh, if you were desperate? Uh, well, I am, he says. <laughs> he said, what are you doing November 24th? Uh, <laughs> anyways, I got the day off work, and so I'm here. Uh, Fortunately, Reuben uh, gave me a, a great passage to, to have a look at, and I've asked for Sophie to come up and read that to us. It's Mark 2, 1 to 12. The um, topic today for me that I've picked is everyone needs forgiveness, and I think you'll hear enough of my voice, so you'd rather hear hers. <laughs> Thanks, Sophie. Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he'd come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to, him, to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins? God alone. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I was going to give her a, a holy kiss to say thanks, but she said something about no PDAs, so I was afraid I might get a holy slap. So, <laughs> um, What a great story. Uh, you're going to have to forgive me. I'm, I'm not a Reuben. I need a bit of paper. I'm a paper maker. I'm going to have to refer to this every once in a while. So it's a, it's a great story. There's a lot in there. Uh, I'm afraid we're only going to be able to scratch the surface because uh, Reuben said I only had 90 minutes. Let's start scratching. So, verse 1 and 2. Uh, what, what do we see in, in verse 1 and 2? We see Jesus is back in Capernaum. So, why mention he's back in Capernaum? Well, because he's back in Capernaum. He had been in Capernaum, and he actually left. We find in uh, Mark 1, uh, it, it says that... Um, 
it was after a, a, a night basically when the whole town was gathered around and he was uh, having, uh, doing a lot of healing and stuff like that. And then he went out to the wilderness to pray. And in the morning, the disciples come to him and, and say, hey, look, everybody's looking for you. Uh, where are you? And Jesus' response is, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I came. He came to preach. Jesus didn't, initially, or didn't come for a healing ministry. Yes, he healed a lot of people, but his main purpose was coming t- to preach. And, and what was he preaching? So uh, again, in, in Mark chapter 1, just to give us a little bit of background, it says uh, uh, in 15, repent and believe the good news, and, or turn from your sins and believe the gospel. Uh, often in Scripture, or, well, a lot of times in Scripture, repentance and forgiveness are together. Uh, they are, are synonymous with one another, so... Let's continue on. Verse uh, 3 and 4. So what do we see here? Well, we see four guys that I want to give a job in the paper mill. Those guys have awesome problem-solving skills. They, they uh, have got their, their mate. They want to get him to Jesus. And what do they find out? They get there, and the house is just cram-packed with people. Uh, typically, these houses were probably one room, and the uh, uh, people are, are jammed around the house at the door, and these guys can't get in. So... Uh, being good problem solvers. I, I think they uh, would do something like a huddle. If you're uh, familiar with American football, they uh, go in and they have a huddle and they plan their, their next play and then they go and execute it. And so these guys, uh, they decide they're going to crash the party. They're going to head up to the roof and, and, and crash in on this party. Now their roofs are different than the, the roofs that we have today. The roofs were um, not like uh, David Buscombe would build. They're a little bit easier to take apart. They're uh, Roofs were made of, um, oh, they had wooden beams. On top of that, they would lay branches, like palm branches and stuff. And then on top of that, they would put clay. So these were kind of flat roofs. They would uh, roll this clay out uh, nice and smooth, and it would go hard so that the rain would actually run off. The roofs actually doubled as uh, sleeping and sitting areas uh, for hot summer evenings. I'm pretty sure even during the uh, festival of booze, they would uh, camp on those roofs, set up tents there. So... Uh, they're roofs that you can take apart with uh, manual labor. You didn't need any heavy equipment to take it apart. So here we have uh, Jesus preaching in this house to a house packed with people and four guys and a guy on a mat up on the roof and they're taking the roof apart. So I'm kind of picturing what the, the people inside are, are experiencing and I suspect that they've got little bits of uh, branches and clay starting to fall down on them and they're probably doing what you're doing, not listening now. <laughs> because they're actually looking at the roof and thinking, oh, what's, uh, what's going on up there? And I bet you Jesus sort of thought, hmm, this is going to be interesting. So uh, these guys, they, uh, you see them, they uh, get the roof apart, and I picture them looking down with like just big smiles on their faces as they're lowering this guy into the, uh, the, the room where Jesus is. What I don't know is where they got the ropes for the mat, because I don't think they came with the plan. So I suspect, I don't know, I'm adding to scripture here, but there may be four donkeys running around Capernaum right now loose. <laughs> so anyways, uh, they, they, they got their mate into the center of the party. They got him to Jesus. Did I say I'd like to hire these guys? So verse five, uh, it says here, um, when Jesus saw their faith, he, he said to the paralyzed man, your sons are forgiven. I'd love to see the faces of these four mates now. What? Jesus, you've missed it. He's paralyzed. 
Can't you see? He needs healing. Make him better. Touch him. Just, uh, what's this forgiveness of sins thing? Well, sin, that's a problem that um, people have today as well when we talk about sin. And, and I've, got, I've got a quote that's going to go up on the screen uh, there, which is uh, from uh, Carl Menninger uh, from a book Jerry Bridges wrote uh, uh, called Respectable Sins. And it says, The very word sin, which seems to have disappeared, was once a proud word. It was once a strong word, an anonymous and serious word. But the word went away. It almost disappeared. The word along with the notion. Why? Doesn't anyone sin anymore? Doesn't anyone believe in sin? I'm just going to have to assume this morning that we know about sin and, and sin separates us from God. Uh, I'm just going to have to leave it there. To know more about sin, I'd, I'd suggest you talk to the professionals like Reuben, Michael, and Randall. <laughs> You're like Sophie. I didn't mean they were professional sinners, okay? <laughs> That's what she said when I said it. I, I, she, I mean that they have been trained in these kind of theological matters to deal with it. They are still sinners. <laughs> so, Son, your sins are forgiven. Why did Jesus respond this way? Why didn't he just heal this guy and keep on preaching? He is preaching. Jesus has just had lowered into his midst one of the best sermon examples he could have had. He's had a, a paralyzed man put into, his, uh, into the middle of his um, uh, service. So to his mates, this obvious need for their, their friend is that he gets healing. He's paralyzed. But Jesus is taking the example and saying, remember, he's preaching. Remember, he's preaching uh, repentance and the gospel, the good news. So here's a guy got an obvious physical need, and Jesus is saying, look, this is not this guy's biggest need. This guy's biggest need is he needs his sins forgiven because his sins are separating him from God. Yep, he's, he's paralyzed, but I think the message here is no matter what we have going on physically or emotionally uh, or uh, financially in our lives, that's not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is we need Jesus. We need forgiveness of sins. Now, that doesn't mean we try and address those problems with people and, and help them, but Jesus is saying, number one, this guy needs forgiveness of sins. Things haven't changed in 2,000 years. That's still our number one problem, separation from God, sin separating us from God. We need those sins dealt with, and that's what Jesus came for. <laughs> Verse 6 and 7, meet the teachers. Now, my wife's a teacher, so I'm not talking about those kind of teachers. I'm talking about the teachers of the law. So these guys, they're probably sitting right in the center of this house because that's the important seats. I think they're probably the ones getting most of the uh, debris dropping on them, and I can't help but feel Jesus is kind of smiling at that. <laughs> yeah, um, they, I bet you they jumped back when that unclean guy landed in their midst. Whoa! <laughs> so they're in there, and so... Um, really? Yeah, so... And, and there's, it says here, um, they were thinking to themselves... Uh, how do, where did it go? Uh, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? Well, you know, their thoughts were right, but oh so wrong. Yep, uh, only God can forgive sins. That's true. Claiming you can forgive sins is blasphemous talk. 
That is, if you're not God. They knew Jesus was claiming to be God, and they knew you know, what he was claiming, but they didn't believe it. That's where they went wrong. Verse 8. Uh, Jesus, just to prove he is actually God, tells them, I know what you're thinking. Now, I, I, I can't imagine their response. I bet you they're a little bit red-faced because they're probably thinking, oh, how does he know that? And he goes on and tells them. So then he, he asks a great question. Um, uh, your sins are forgiven. or to say, uh, Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up your, uh, take your mat and walk. Now, I'm thinking about the four guys again on the roof. They're probably looking down and wondering, how the heck did our mate get in the midst of a theological argument? <laughs> he needs to be healed. And here he is sitting there and Jesus is talking to the religious leaders and they're probably going, whose stupid idea was it? Was it it's your idea? No, no, it's your idea. No, no, it's your idea. And they're probably doubting their problem-solving skills. I'm still going to give these guys a job. <laughs> Great question, though. Which is easier? Think about it. There's a lots of ways you can answer that. But I'm not going to answer it. I'm going to leave it with you to think about. Verse 10 and 12. T- 10 through 12. So, we, uh, we see here that... Uh, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them. They were amazed, and everyone there praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Jesus isn't leaving any doubt about what he's claiming. Son of Man, uh, the teachers of the law would have known this reference, and it would have made their backs, the hair on their backs get up. Uh, you remember this term, son of man? If you were here for uh, Reuben's Daniel series, he talked about son of man. It was in chapter 7. Uh, I think Reuben said chapters 6 through uh, 12 were the weird chapters. You know, uh, and, and so this is one of the weird chapters. And this is a picture of uh, this. Uh, the writer of Daniel says he was like the, uh, a son of man coming in the clouds before the ancient of days. Ancient of days, God guy in the clouds, pretty uh, interesting uh, imagery. So uh, coming before the uh, ancient of days in the clouds and people worshipped him. It says he's given everlasting dominion and a kingdom that can never be destroyed. Wow, Jesus, couldn't you be a bit more subtle? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yep, I'm God and I want you to know I can forgive sins is what Jesus is saying. By referring to that, that son of man image, he's claiming to be the Messiah. Now, how does Jesus healing this guy uh, prove he has authority over sin? Well, in that day and age, the prevailing thought of the um, people or the religious leaders was that your sickness, your disability, or uh, your um, problems were a direct result of your personal sins or your parents' personal sins. If you go, uh, go on and uh, mark, you'll see a pic, uh, story where there's a, the blind guy is brought before Jesus and people ask, whose sins was this? Was this the, his sins or his parents' sin? Jesus actually says at that point, neither. Now, yes, there can be uh, sickness and, and disability brought on by our own sin. That is a possibility, but it is most often not the case. It's most often because we live in a broken, sinful world and uh, sin... Has, has its reign and causes um, 
things not to be as they should be. I, I believe this is the case for this guy. I don't think personally this was a, a personal sin on his part. I could be wrong. You can debate that with me later. But he, he um, so how, how does he prove it? Well, I think it proves it because we do live in a broken and sinful world. We do live in a world that isn't right and that uh, Jesus is saying, look, the result of living in a broken, sinful world for this guy and for others is physical disability. And I'm going to reverse the result of that sin of this world in this guy's life and he's going to be able to, to walk. So... Um, yeah, I think he's just, I was reminded of that uh, song, as an old one, and it said he, he uh, breaks the power of canceled sin. Uh, that's what I believe he's actually doing here, is just saying, hey, I'm going to cancel the sin, and I'm going to break its power in this guy's life. So, um, you know, I, I think this, this story of the, the guy getting up and walking, and, and Jesus says that, guy gets up and walks, I think back to Grant Marshall's sermon a few months ago where he said that, uh, that the title was um, Grace Plus Nothing Equals Everything. Yep, I think this is a great example of Grace Plus Nothing Equals Everything. We have no record of the paralytic saying or doing anything except getting up, walking away with his mat forgiven. Nothing. We don't have any recorded words of him, no discussion between he and Jesus. Whether there was or not, I don't know. Mark is uh, not very prolific in his writing. If you look at the length of Mark compared to some of the other Gospels, he just gets to the point. Um, but having said that, I think Mark is also the uh, master of understatement. You know, I can't imagine this guy just got up and walked out. I'm thinking he probably did a jig. Now, I would try and do a jig, except I can't dance, I can't sing, and I got sore knees. But I think that the guy would have been doing a bit of a jig. He wouldn't have just like, hey, you know, and I think his four mates, you know, on the roof are probably like high five and go, hey, what a great idea. Wasn't that a great idea of mine? No mine, no mine. They probably almost fell through. Um, you know, I think that it's, then he goes on to say the people were amazed and, and praised God. Somehow I don't think they sang the benediction. I think they probably sang more, more a song like, this is how we party. Don Stevenson can tell you the words to that song. <laughs> they knew this guy was a hopeless case. They knew this was the paralytic, the cripple, the unclean guy that lived down the uh, center of town under the tree. Um, and he's walking. He's carrying his mat. No way, I can't believe it. Can you see it? Yes, I can see it. He's right there. But this is amazing. I, I, I think in the people cheered and whistled. And I think there might have been four donkeys running through the house loose. Anyways, it, it, it's a great story. Awesome story. But I guess, what, what does that mean to us today? What, what's in it for us? Um, I think verse 10 uh, of, uh, gives us a clue. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has uh, authority on earth to forgive sins. I think I want you to know is probably a clue to what Jesus wants us to know. I'm a bit simple, I know, but that's what I got. I've thought of sort of three different people groups, and uh, I've, I've noticed pastors try to use the same letter to, or preachers, I'm not a preacher, so I'm going to try to do this, but they use the same letter to, you know, kind of reinforce things. So I, I've thought the three people groups, I've gone the fettered, the forgotten, and the forgiven. So, the fettered. 
that was a, that, that was the hard one to come up with an F for. So uh, it's an old word. Fettered uh, means to be tied or chained or um, you know held captive. And you know I think to me that kind of describes the, this uh, paralyzed guy. He, you know he's held captive by his uh, paralysis. This is the obvious physical needs, emotional needs, uh, spiritual needs. Uh, you know, these people, uh, it's obvious they've got a need and, and they need forgiveness. So, uh, so why, why do I, I kind of single them out? Well, one of the risks that we have, and, and we are definitely called to uh, minister to the poor, to take care of the sick. We're, we're called to uh, bring freedom to the captives or, you know, release people from slavery, i.e. people that are in human um, trafficking or in... Uh, prostitution, as the case may be, for a, a really good friends of ours in, in India. Um, but we can actually get so blinded by caring for the physical needs that we forget about the spiritual needs. And, and I was talking to a, a, a mate that works at Freeset on, on Friday, and uh, he, he said it quite well. I've got a, a slide of the quote. I, I, I thought about it on um, Friday night. I, I've been working on this message and rewritten it I don't know how many times, so I, I'm, I'm kind of a bit confused. But it was Friday, I talked to uh, Ryan, and, and he uh, said this quote. He said, first, we are working to bring economic freedom, and that gives us the opportunity to speak into their lives with the hope they will experience, experience spiritual freedom. So in other words, spiritual freedom is really important, but we, we have to get the right to speak that into their lives. And, and that's why they do what they do. Uh, another person who I thought said it really well, um, I'm hoping I got her name right. It's Amy Mai, is it? The cap lady? Yeah, Amy Mai spoke here at Shore uh, a few years ago. And, and she said, um, we must give the people the opportunity to know their creator and to know this relentless love that he has on offer and have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. What good would it be for someone to be debt-free, employed, free from addiction, to know how to work with their money and know how to live, yet forfeit their soul? That's a paraphrase on Matthew, uh, in 20, Matthew 26, I think it is. Um, so, by far the most important thing, the most exciting for Christians Against Poverty and the churches we partner is seeing people accept Jesus Christ. So, yes, we need to be involved in those things. as a clear command, but ultimately, we need to remember these people need forgiveness of sins. The forgotten. Who are the forgotten? Our friends, our neighbors, workmates that seem to have it all together. They don't have financial worries. They've got good kids. They've got good jobs, and they're good citizens. They don't appear to have any needs or uh, need any help, but they're still their sinners and needs of forgiveness. My dad was one of these guys. This is a lot of years ago he was, but uh, my dad was one of these guys. He was a good guy. He was uh, a guy who was, you know, a, a good citizen. He uh, didn't give any trouble. Uh, he, uh, he didn't grow up in a church. Uh, one thing that worries me was my mom was a missionary dater, but that's worked out okay. So they, you always tell your kids don't go out with a non-Christian, but my mom went out with a, a non-Christian. Anyways, she took dad to church. And fortunately, he heard that he was a sinner. He needed forgiveness. Uh, he heard that Jesus loved him, and he, he accepted Jesus. Uh, dad would have probably said that 
before that, that Christianity was a crutch for the weak and the needy, and he didn't need that because he wasn't weak and needy. So I think the forgotten ones can be forgotten for a couple reasons. I think we tend to forget that they uh, don't need Jesus, don't need forgiveness of sins because they don't have problems, they don't have issues. Um, I think the other thing is that, at least for me, they can be a little bit daunting because they're nicer than me. They're better than me. Uh, you know, they, they're not got the needs that even I've got is kind of how I view it. But the reality is they still need forgiveness. They're still separated from God. The forgiven. Well, in my intro, I said I'm a sinner saved by grace. I didn't say I was a sinner saved by grace. I am a sinner saved by grace. Yes, I'm forgiven. I am saved by grace. But I still for, uh, sin. I still need forgiveness. Uh, if I'm ever prone to forget that, Sophie and my kids are very quick to remind me. And I'm thankful for that. If you're not sure whether you sin after having been forgiven by Jesus, ask your family. So, what's this mean for, for me today? You know, uh, for us, this thing about uh, forgiveness for sin. Uh, I was meant to put a quote, I was going to put a quote up and I didn't, but there's a quote by Martin Luther that says, uh, the, uh, oh, God uh, ordains or whatever, uh, that the Christian life is a life of repentance. Uh, every day is, is a life of repentance. And that's a bit scary, a bit daunting. Uh, but the way I've come to think of it, and a lot of preachers now will use the term, they'll talk about um, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. We need to hear the good news. I need to hear that gospel, that good news that Christ died for sinners, and I'm one of those. He's forgiven me. Uh, yes, on a daily basis, it kind of requires that, that I own up to my sin, take responsibility for it. I, I need to say sorry for it. Uh, sometimes that involves having to say sorry to Sophie, to the kids, uh, to your boss. That's kind of a hard one when you have to go to your boss and say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I really stuffed up there. Um, I've had to do it more often than you'd like to know, but it's, it's a reality. Um, but then it's turning to God and saying, hey, I, I need your help with this. And the way I look at it, I think Jesus says to me, Tim, I've already forgiven that. I've, I've forgiven that sin. I, I, I've uh, died on the cross for it, but I'm glad you recognize it because it now gives us something that you can work on in your life and that we can work on together uh, to make you more like Jesus. I think it's a, a process of transforming us into the image of Christ. It's a, a little bit, a, a day by day, a bit by bit that it happens. Um, the, I found a, a song uh, while I was uh, preparing this, uh, which I really like. It's, it's by an artist by the name of Zach Williams. He's one of my favorite artists. Uh, he sings both kinds of music that there are, country and western. Uh, but the, the, the chorus of the song uh, goes like this. Oh, Lord, help me be a little, bit, a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith, a little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. Yeah, Jesus wants us to know that he has the authority to forgive sins. 
And he's doing that today for us, even though we're already forgiven. It's a concept that's hard to understand, but, well, maybe it isn't for you, but, you know, that we're forgiven, yet we need to be forgiven. Yeah. The other thing I think Jesus would have us look at from this passage is things that he notices. And I'd like to uh, just look at uh, verse 5 again. There's, um, I've got it in a couple versions on a slide. That, uh, there it's, uh, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sons are forgiven. That's the NIV. And then, uh, impressed by their bold belief, Jesus said to the paraplegic, son, I forgive your sins. That's from the message. Now, I'm not sure how their faith played a part in the forgiveness of the paralytic. I don't understand that. My son and I, when we were talking about this, he, he pastors a church up in Helensville, and, and we were talking about this passage, and he said, whose faith saved the paralytic? Good question. I'll leave you with that one. <laughs> Sophie's dad's a really great teacher. He's, he's a, he was a professor, probably the smartest guy I know, and Sophie used to say her dad always answered a question with a question. So whose faith <laughs> saved the paralytic? Whatever they believed, um, I, I, I don't know that they believed that Jesus was going to give forgiveness of sins. I believe that they were just bringing their mate for healing. But they had faith that Jesus could do something for their friend. And I guess the question for us is, do I, do we have faith that Jesus can do something for our friends? And if so, what are we going to do about it? Uh, it it's a bit of a scary concept that you know, we, we have that responsibility. Um, when, I, when I was bouncing ideas off of Reuben uh, about this, he asked a question, or threw out a question, didn't really ask it, and it made me really think. And, and he said, who's on your mat? In other words, who's on the mat you're carrying to Jesus? And the next question be, what are we doing about getting to Jesus? What do we need to do that the four mates did? Or oh, do we need to do what the four mates did? Kind of. Should we go and rip a hole in Reuben's roof? No. Although I think it would be kind of neat to see his and Anna's reaction if we did that. <laughs> they might have to do some repenting later. Um, <laughs> so what can we do? First off, I'm sorry, I don't want to make you feel guilty, but I think everybody should have somebody on their mat, the mat that we're trying to drag that person to Jesus on. I think we should have somebody that we love enough that we're willing to put out a little bit of extra effort to see them come to Jesus. If we can't love them enough for that, then I'm sorry, I, I, I think we, we need somebody on our mat. When Reuben asked that question, I kind of sort of sat back and thought, ooh, that's a hard question, you know, I, for me, myself. And then we started to think about, I started to think about it, and I'm, I'm not going to say uh, Sophie and I have got it all together. She's got a lot more together than I do. But I'm just going to talk about somebody who's, who's on our mat. Now, first off, I say our mat, because like the four guys, you don't have to do this on your own. You can do this as a husband and wife, as a family, as uh, a cell group, a, a bunch of mates maybe that belong to the bowling club together or a sailing club or whatever, but you don't have to do it on your, on your own. 
our mat, I'm talking about our friend. She's a, a workmate of mine from the paper mill. She's a, a lovely gal, uh, and she, uh, she's, she's part of our family. I, I would encourage you to, you know, um, make these people part of your community. Make them part of your family. So uh, our kids um, are part of this. My in-laws are part of this. Uh, they love her, and she loves them. It, it, it's really cool. She comes along to family events. She's been to birthday parties. She's been to Thanksgiving dinner. She just uh, comes over for some events. My daughter's planning on uh, asking her to take the morning off work one week and go to the zoo with her. Uh, you know, and I, I got to say here that we haven't been real deliberate as, or as deliberate maybe as we could be or should be, but it's just, and, and it, it's just to give you guys some thoughts of what maybe you can do in someone's life. So uh, other things that we've, we've done with her, um, she's, uh, I've given her books to read. Uh, one of the books I gave her to read was uh, Reason for God by uh, Timothy Keller. Now, not everybody's a reader, but if they are readers, there's some good books that they can read. Uh, I'm sure uh, Reuben, Randall, uh, Michael, the guys that are professional on sin, can also tell you some good books to, to read on the, uh, uh, for people to read. The, um, she and I will talk quite often about world events, uh, and, and I try and bring it around to a bit of a, a Christian perspective and, and talk about uh, stuff like that. Uh, she's gone to an Alpha course um, with us. I'd encourage you to invite um, your friends to come to, long story short, um, Christianity Explored, both great courses. Uh, get them to come along and ask Randall hard questions. It's a great idea. Put the pressure on Randall. Uh, it's, it's a real good opportunity. Take them. Ask them to come with you. Don't just tell them about it. Take them. Ask them to come with you. It's a great experience for yourself. Uh, the, both of those are, are just amazing um, in, in just presenting the, uh, the truth of the gospel to people. Uh, so I'd encourage you, and invite them to come along to things like CAP, uh, to um, the parenting toolboxes. Come along, rub shoulders with them. Let them see that, you know, you need forgiveness too. They, they just, let them see you're real. Uh, if you're really brave, tell them your faith story. Uh, we've told our friend our faith story, talked about who Jesus is to us. If you um, are a little bit worried about where to start there or what to do, um, talk to Jeremy Carroll, talk to uh, Bryce Stavely, um, some others. They've got some great um, pointers, uh, some good tips on, on how to share your faith. They, uh, I believe Shore's planning actually on running a course like that. I'd encourage you to come along at some stage and, uh, and, and do that with, when the course is uh, offered. Uh, it's a great thing to be able to tell someone your story. Um, we're on a journey with our friend. Um, whether she gets to the destination we want to, I don't know, but she's still our friend. We, we, uh, we'll pray that she, she gets there and we still have faith that God can do something in her life. But we just are on that journey. Remember, it's not your job get them to bring them to salvation. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Your job is to allow them the opportunity to meet Jesus. Remember that uh, quote by Ryan, the opportunity to uh, you know, experience spiritual freedom. That's our job is to try and get them to Jesus. Drag that mat whatever way you can. Steal the ropes from the donkeys, whatever, to get them to Jesus. But it's not our job to save them. But above all, be their friend 
and pray for them. As a close, I want to tell you a little story. This is a story about a, a girl named Chris. Chris is, uh, she's, she's an older woman now, but at this stage she was a, a young, young girl, probably about 16. Um, she went to the church that I went to. Her family were members of the church. Uh, my brother was uh, working as a, a youth leader for the church. Um, my brother Pete is my biggest spiritual mentor. Um, yeah. He has a heart for the gospel, a heart for the lost. And um, anyways, he was speaking one night to this, uh, the church youth group, and he really sensed that God was speaking to someone that night. And Pete's never had it uh, again, um, but he really thought there was someone that God was speaking to. So he, he said, look, I really think God's speaking to one of you tonight and, and wants you to do something in your high school. So at this stage, not only was Pete working as a, um, youth leader at the church. He was driving truck for my dad's paper box business, but he'd also started a, uh, you'd call it a parachurch organization, but it was a, a sports ministry. So what he would do is he would uh, run uh, groups in a school. Um, they would have like a gym night, so they'd play a bit of sport, and they would pre- present the gospel. They'd have someone come in and, and give a testimony. Uh, it was a way of, you know, introducing people to Jesus. And so Pete really sensed that there was somebody that God wanted to start one of those groups in their school. And he said, so after, I'd like you to um, come and see me. I'll just be over to the side praying. And, uh, you know, if, if you really think God's speaking to you, uh, come over and see me. So Pete's over on the side praying. And, and this uh, girl comes up and she goes, Pete. Pete almost didn't hear her. He's deaf like me. <laughs> and he almost, when he did realize, he almost said, Oh, Chris, I'm just waiting for someone to come see me. Can you talk to me later? And fortunately, God said, hey, you thick-headed, right? (laughs) Listen up. And Pete goes, no way. Chris, are you serious, God? You see, Chris was one of these people that was kind of afraid of her own shadow. You could walk up to Chris and say, Chris, I'm going to say boo. And you go, boo. And she goes, ah! She was the last person you expect. Pete's praying over there, thinking about all the, the jocks in the group, all the uh, you know, uh, people that are really good with words or uh, they're the life of the party. And up walks Chris. Fortunately, Pete listened to God and said, yes, Chris. She goes, I, I think I'm that person. And Pete goes, oh, wow. So... They started a group in, in Chris's high school. Now, what did Chris do? She invited friends, a few friends. She didn't actually run the group. She didn't even do the organization or anything. Her job was just to invite some friends. And, and she invited some friends. And one of those friends was a, a bit of a nerdy girl. Uh, loved mathematics. She was... Uh, a, um, a really good student, one of those, um, you know, I'd, I'd call the forgotten people, the good people, uh, didn't give her family any trouble and, and whatever. Um, yeah, she was, she was, other than a mathematics uh, nerd, she was a, a lovely girl. Um, well, she heard the gospel. She heard that she needed her sins forgiven. 
She knew, she knew she, there was a problem in her life. Didn't know what it was. First time in her life she heard the gospel. And she responded. And she fell in love with Jesus. Awesome. Well, I fell in love with that girl. And so we said, I'm not allowed to get romantic. But <laughs> what's even better is she fell in love with me. And, and so I look at uh, the work of Christ through a girl by the name of Chris who was... You know, a really quiet person. At 16, you, you guys that are in the youth group, you can have an impact in people's lives that can last for eternity by inviting them out to, to youth group, you know, um, inviting them to church. Uh, you know, when I, when I think about our, our life story with um, our friend from work, we invite her to, to things like church, to, youth, to, to ladies' events. Some of you have met them. Uh, same thing, this is what this Chris did. She invited Sophie to uh, this youth group. Actually, she didn't invite Sophie. It was a friend of Chris's that invited Sophie out to that youth group. And I'm just forever thankful to God that uh, Sophie heard that message and that uh, she came to forgiveness. And, and I'm telling you, if Chris can do it, we can do it. Uh, we just need to take a few risks in people's lives. We've got to love them enough to say, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to tear that roof off. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for uh, this story. Thank you for the forgiveness that you offer through Jesus, forgiveness of sins, that he came to die on our behalf. Thank you that his blood was poured out on our behalf for the forgiveness of sins. Father, um, may we be like those four mates. May we be like Chris, people that are willing to, to step out to make known uh, the truth that you want to set people free. Father, uh, I just pray that you would be with us as we think on these things. Uh, may we be people that would take a chance for you. Um, take a risk. Thank you that you gave Jesus on our behalf that uh, we might be made free. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.